0: At Americana Podcast, it is our goal to define and expand the genre of Americana music. On today's segment of Word on the Street, episodes dedicated to music industry professionals and or dedicated music lovers, we speak with longtime talent buyer of Flores Country Store, Mark McKinney. For those that may be unfamiliar with Flores Country Store, it is a music venue located in Holotis, Texas, and has been in operation for just over 75 years. It has been a staple venue for Roots-based musicians coming through Texas and has featured artists from Little Richard to Willie Nelson. On today's episode, we speak with Mark about the venue's history, the line between preservation and expansion, and Floor's particular relationship with Americana music. I'm your producer and host, Clara Rose, and this is Americana Podcast. Word on the street. This is Americana Podcast, and I'm your host, Clara Rose, and today we are doing our Word on the Street segment with Mark McKinney at Floors Country Store. Mark, I want to thank you for being here today.
1: Oh, yeah, Clara, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to dive right in and ask you to tell me about the boots that are hanging up on the interior. <laughs> uh.
1: Oh, man, that's a, that's a good question. They've been here longer than I've been alive. That's the, that's the short <laughs> answer. Uh, legend has it, Uh, you know, that John Wayne left a pair up there, hard to confirm nor deny. I don't, and the the answer to your next question is no, I don't know which pair they supposedly are. (laughs) Uh, you know, Ronnie Millsap, there's a pair of his boots up there. There's some retired Texas Rangers that has been kind of cool that we've hung up, you know, since I've been here. Um, but a lot of them are just mystery, you know, how, how, how they got there and how long they've been there, but they got a lot of dust on them. It's it's been a while. (laughs)
0: And Floors was opened up by John T. Floor in 1942. That's correct. Uh, Can you give our listeners a truncated history of Floors?
1: Yeah. Um, So John T. Floor was the general manager of the Majestic Theater downtown San Antonio in the, you know, I guess through the late 30s (coughs) into the early 40s. And um, uh, the kind of legend or history as I know it is he lived out here and owned some property and he actually started Flores Country Store in a building down the street from us uh, initially, and it was kind of a general store slash beer joint. Um, and there was another business that that was kind of becoming a burgeoning dance hall. And he decided, well, oh, wait a minute, I need that's what I, I need to be that. I need more room. So then this building that that we sit in now, he built, um, and actually the business moved over into this building in 1946, I believe. Um, and, you know, it really was kind of a general store cafe, but it was just, you know, like, like dance halls in Texas are, it was just a community gathering place. And it was just where on Saturday night and Sunday, you know, there was, it was all real dance oriented then. And people would come from, you know, miles around to come to shows, uh, which I guess in some respect they still do at times. Uh, uh but so, you know, it's been ongoing since then and, and he owned it and ran it until he passed away in the late 70s and and then it's kind of passed from group to group and uh and and my group took over in 2002 so this is like our 18th year of of running it and um you know it's just the kind of thing that it's bigger than whoever's running it at the time at this point it's been around so long that it's kind of like you got to keep it going and keep it hopefully keep improving it and uh, keep it relevant, and then somebody's going to have to take the torch one day, you know, <laughs> from us because this thing needs to be around for for uh, generations to come.
0: Was it kind of daunting coming in with this all this history preceding you?
1: Yeah, I think it, it kind of was. Um, you know, we took it over at a time that, you know, I was very aware of the history because I grew up around here, and I was, you know, coming to shows here all the time. And But also when we took it over, it was... Um, the physical space was not in the best condition. <laughs> and, and so it was really kind of overwhelming from that standpoint as much as anything. We had so much to do to, to um, kind of bring it back up to speed, uh, which is a really delicate balance at a place like this because you don't ever want to do anything to change the vibe of it or what makes it unique and special. But at the same time, it's like when we took it over in 2002, there was no air conditioning in the building. The electrical didn't work when it rained outside it rained inside if you get my drift i mean it had really yes. gotten run down yeah <laughs> so so it was like kind of balancing and respecting and that history but also saying we've got to make this a little more user friendly for for bands and patrons alike like it's not this is not going to be able to keep going if we don't kind of do something here so so yeah it was a big undertaking in the early years for sure
0: And for our listeners, can you explain what you do as a part of floors?
1: Sure. I'm the, I'm the managing partner. So I, I, kind of oversee all of the, you know, day to day operations at floors. I have an incredible staff, most of which have worked here a long time, um, that really do, you know, 99% of that. And I'm still very active in the booking of all the bands, which I have been for, you know, like I said, it's the 18th year of that. So I'm still, still have my hands in that. And, and, um, just kind of the overall operation.
0: You mentioned uh, you had to kind of bring this place up to speed, and you've made a lot of really big changes here, and they're always really fantastic. Um, How do you work with the original structure of the space when taking on these projects?
1: Well, you know, that's our biggest challenge. Well, there's two, two real big challenges here, is that we don't have a ton of extra space. So, like, every little bit of space for us is we really have to figure out how to do things the right way. And then, and then second is what I mentioned before is like, just the, I mean, I'm really big about the the vibe of this place because it's what makes it special. If you, if you built something that was laid out like this in a strip center, it would, there'd be nothing special about it. It's just all the history and all the vibe. And so you don't ever want to touch that. You don't ever want to try to make it feel like some other place or, you know, trying so hard to improve it, that you ever lose what is special about it because really, that's what it's all. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, I don't know if that if I answered your question exactly or not. <laughs> no, <you> did. <laughs> um, <clears throat>
0: do you feel that the vin- like? Do you feel like the venue's history and lore helps show attendance in particular? Or do you think it's really it kind of just varies on the artist coming in?
1: Um, you know, it's still really heavily artist dependent for us. We're not. You know, we're not. You know old town hello this is a really neat little area down here but it's not a tourist area so we don't have any we don't really have the kind of built-in crowd that some of the other notable texas venues do um so the artist really has to draw their crowd here you know so it's i think that we probably get some people that travel and make it a destination type show because because of the history you know there's not a lot of venues that have been around for 70 some odd years and are still going so i mean we we do get people from around Texas, people from out of state that'll that'll come to shows here. So that probably that probably helps us to a certain degree, I would say for sure. And then there's, you know, the really neat thing is there's people that come and, and they, they're like multi-generational. Like, oh, my parents used to bring me here when I was a kid on Sundays and they taught me how to country dance here and now I come see whoever, you know. Um, that stuff's pretty cool when you hear that.
0: I understand that in your line of work, you really have to kind of balance like who would be a good fit for the venue as well as the numbers. How do you normally go about doing that?
1: Um, That's a good question. I mean, we you know we we our our sweet spot is definitely kind of all in the um, you know the Texas red dirt scene, Americana bands, country bands, folk singers. So. But that doesn't mean we haven't done you know straight up blues shows or rock and roll shows or so you know fit to the venue like we're probably not ever going to do an EDM show here like it probably just doesn't work you know here but I think a lot of things do work here you know I think a lot of things that are a lot of things that are roots oriented and you know that it would fit into Americana fit here and so that could be along a very big spectrum we do some shows because we want to do them because we love the music but you know at the end of the day we've got payroll to make and bills to pay and everything like like any other venue so. You know, people, have, you know, we've got to be able to sell tickets. We've got to be able to get get people through the door. Um, it's just a balance.
0: Do you have an example of someone you really believed in early on that has really made a career? Well, you've watched their career take off since they played at Floors.
1: When I first got here, I was like, I'm going to listen to... This was back in, you know, so in 2002, we would get mailed physical CDs by the dozens every day. And so I was... I'm going to listen to every one of those CDs, and I'm going to—if I like someone—I'm going to book them. And you know, if it doesn't matter if they draw anybody. I'm going to, you know, give them an opening slot. and I'm going to do whatever. Well, that—I'm maybe a little bit ashamed to admit how long that lasted of listening to every CD that came in. It became overwhelming, and I had a desk with hundreds of CDs, and I was like, I can't possibly do this anymore. So it became—that became a little more difficult. But one that I did actually make a phone call on, and I heard was. Um, somebody had mailed, um, Hayes Carl's first CD that the Morales sisters had produced. And I don't know if, you know, if Hayes sent it or somebody, you know, working for him, but it was his first one. And we, you know, he, he opened a lot of shows here, um, for a period of time. And then, you know, is is obviously played a few shows shows at this point has a great career and is a great singer songwriter. I mean, so there, there's a bunch of those, you know, there's, randy rogers tells a story a bunch of times that the first show he ever played here he opened the show and i think there were 44 people here and you know now he'll he'll play two nights outdoors and sell sell them out or you know it's like so it's pretty i mean we've definitely seen a bunch of bands like on their rise and that's always really fun to see that especially when it's people you really like personally and musically and everything it's it's a lot of fun but uh there's probably a whole bunch more that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but those are a couple couple that were real early on for sure. Uh, <laughs>
0: you and I were talking right before this about uh, about like Margo coming in and like not having a lot. of Margo Price coming in and not having a ton of people right off the back. Do you would you consider Floors a staple venue for artists trying to break into the Texas market?
1: I mean, we'd we'd hope so. You know, um, we we feel like for for a lot of those artists that you know we feel like we're a really great play in the San Antonio market for them. For a lot of reasons um i mean we're we're very unique in that we have an indoor stage and an outdoor stage so there's you know there's opportunities for artists um to headline their own show indoors, open a show you know in front of a few thousand people outdoors eventually headline outdoors and I think maybe that's part of the reason that kind of unique setup why we've had these relationships with these artists that have come through here and and then they grow and it, and you know Sometimes they outgrow us, but a lot of times, you know, we'll have a, this long relationship with an artist because as they grew, we could still do shows for them here in the market. And so, so we kind of, we definitely pitch it that way to agents and managers that, you know, we think we're a good place to grow your artist in this market.
0: How has your marketing approach changed since you first began here?
1: <laughs> well, when we first began here, there was uh, the CDs. Yeah, right. <laughs> CD's on the desk are no longer there, uh, uh, you know 2002 was kind of pre-internet and social media so it was a very different animal you know it was back when we were scrambling to have street teams hang posters everywhere and, and that's a little bit of a different different ball game now um, yeah I mean promoting shows has just changed from the like traditional grassroots you know concert promoter stuff that you think about to now it's just like all you know knowing how to deal with the social media stuff and even it's even you know radio's different than it was it's all different you know i don't know how to how to give a short answer in that but one thing that we've always been really f- fortunate at floors i feel like we're fortunate is that because of the longevity of the venue because of the historic historical significance of the venue if you grew up around here and you're into the kind of music we play you're we're on your radar so i mean people people know you know people know when Artist XYZ is coming through floors. They they know it as soon as we know it, kind of, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's just, so we're, we're really fortunate in that regard, for sure.
0: Uh, given that you've, pro- like, proved yourself as a, a wonderful promoter, uh, why is it important for you to stay in this location? Like, what keeps you here?
1: Well, thank you for the compliment. I'm not sure where you heard that from, but <laughs> I'll take it. Um, I mean... You know i grew up in the san antonio area and i grew up coming to shows at floors and i came to a lot of shows at floors long before i was ever involved in floors and so it has a um for someone that's from here around here it just has a really special place in my heart and i mean i've you know there have been other things that have come up you know in 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 my tenure here were opportunities at other venues and things and it's like i just never really had a lot of i mean i Maybe it's just me. This is just about as all I can handle, I guess. So, You know, it's just, uh, you know, I, lo- I, lo- I really love floors, and I, 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 I see myself as a, as a steward, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm getting it through one period of time, and then it's going to be somebody else's responsibility. So it's just been, it's just kind of stayed the focus and haven't really branched out from there.
0: If there was one night during your time at floors that you could go back and relive, what moment would it be?
1: That's pretty impossible. <laughs> <laughs> In eighteen years to pick one, I'll give you a couple or a few. How's that? That I'll sounds great. Off the top of my head, uh, man, a bunch of nights. One that definitely always jumps out. Uh, like I'm not. I'm not gonna remember the year, but I want to say it was probably four years ago or something like that. Uh, Willie played, and it was an absolute driving rainstorm. Uh, I mean, you know epic rainstorm and it was kind of one of those deals where we weren't sure if the show was really going to happen or not and but it but it kind of all started after doors and the crowd was here and it was a sold out show and you know willie's bus showed up and it was like time to make the call and um and it was uh it was pretty unbelievable because you know john selman willie's tour manager went and told willie that you know what do you want to do and and willie's like well what's the crowd doing it's like they're all there None of them have left. And next thing you know, you know, he walks Willie to the stage and here we go. And he played, a, you know, even maybe a longer set than usual in a driving rainstorm uh, that I think San Antonio got eight inches of rain that night. And, you know, we had more feedback from more people saying things like, um, you know, standing in a rainstorm with my son and watching Willie sing Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain is a, is a moment that the two of us will have that we'll never forget like it was a magical magical night. So that one's always at the top <laughs> at the top of the list. Um that
0: would be the top of anyone's yeah. list.
1: Um you know, another one that 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 had us all kind of uh all kind of on a on a big music high for a while was your, you know, your host Robert o. king's 20th anniversary of Number 2 live dinner, which, you know, so many artists that are kind of the next generation after after Robert have said as they come into floors, maybe the first time they play it or first time they play outdoors or something said, you know, how big of an influence that that particular record was to them and, and how, as soon as they heard that, they are like, I wanna play that place, you know? And then for us to do the, the 20th anniversary of that and then it turned into what it turned into with, you know, I love it showing up and Bruce Robinson and, you know, reckless Kelly and Cody Canada opening the show and then sitting in and then that night was so magical it turned into another live record because it was so special. I mean, that one has that one always um, been a really, really, really special night, you know? And it, 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 it was one of those that kind of lifted all of us up for a while.
0: The, one of the main things about this podcast is it's our mission to define and expand the genre of Americana music. As someone with a relationship specifically with the Texas country music scene, how would you define Americana music?
1: That's you know that's a that's a tough question. Um, I I always you know we used to call it we used to just call it roots music you know and that's kind of where you know you know I'm old enough that you know I used to go into the record store and and read you know the records or the CDs and um, I'd end up buying something from a band I never heard heard of because of the producer or the or you know guitar player or something like that. And that was all Roots music. And and then, you know, there, for a minute there, people started calling it No Depression. And then it still felt like Roots music. And now it's Americana. And it still feels like Roots music. Although, you know, I think the Americana label has probably been a really a boon to this kind of music because I think it gave it more of an identity than, than Roots music maybe felt... Um, didn't feel quite like the label that Americana does. And, you know, and then you had, you know, charts, and you have a... A conference and an award show and it maybe gave it it always had legitimacy to me but maybe it gave, gave it more legitimacy to some people um but you know I mean it's it it all of those no matter what you've called it over the years it's still like a catch-all phrase and a catch-all category of you know music that doesn't fit perfectly neatly into folk blues rock and roll country bluegrass but has those elements and so it's kind of this catch-all where it isn't purely straight-ahead country. It's not purely blues, but it, you know, it has those elements. And so it's kind of a fantastic thing. I don't know if that's a definition or not, but that's just kind of how I look it, at it as, a, as now as, its own genre is just a, kind of a catch-all for things that don't fit neatly into those other categories.
0: Um, are there any artists that you would say that are distinctly Americana? Whew. Or just artists that you're kind of like listening to right now that you'd describe as Americana?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'll probably throw names out that a lot of people are talking about, but I mean, a guy like Tyler Childers is, you know, you know, the mix of it's, you know, what he's doing is clearly the, you know, sense of place in his music is, is very strong yet, you know, it has all these other elements to it too. I mean, it's a perfect, um, it's a perfect example, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's weird, because, like, it's a weird question to me, because I don't really think of it in those terms. Like, I either like something or I don't. I never really think about, I never really say, I like this new, I love this new Josh Ritter record that Jason Isbell produced, right? But I never have once thought about what it was, you know? I just think he's a great singer-songwriter, and, you know, it's a great record. Um, but I never once thought about, or, or said to someone, hey, you should check out this new Americana record, by Josh Ritter or you know what I mean I just don't um, that's not to there's, that's not anything negative about the Americana moniker it's just that in my head I just think like I really dig this period <laughs> and a story you know
0: it's liking music because it's good music yeah yeah, yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: love that we're coming to the end of the interview um, if someone would be interested in doing what you do what is a piece of advice that you would give them
1: Whew. or
0: a couple <laughs> whichever makes you happy <laughs> oh
1: man probably uh you know get a job at a venue before you jump in and just run one for 18 years (laughs) don't have that be your first job you know uh that might be a good piece of advice you'll your learning curve will be a little faster than mine was uh be okay with late nights be okay working weekends your whole life (laughs) that's one that a lot of people are like well wait a minute all my friends are off on the weekend no you're not you that's know? when it starts yeah you, yeah. Work, you're, you work at a venue <laughs> you work on the weekend
0: you mentioned that given that this is a kind of a 24 7 365 days a year kind of job why do you keep going
1: you know i think it ends up becoming i think in it, at the end of the day it, it's probably like a lot of things it ends up becoming about relationships you know you really like the people you work with um you really like like i said before you know their bands have been playing here a long time that we circle the dates on the calendar, you know, this, this is a running a venue is a grind and it's a lot of hours and it's hard work, but there's, there's people that come through that you're just so happy to see, you know, it's like a friend coming in town. And then there's shows that, that, you know, like we talked about a few that, you know, just mad magical nights happen. They don't happen every night, but when they do, they really, they kind of, they kind of fuel you for a while. Um, so I think, you know, it just boils down to that. Like there's, there's still those, those nights and there's, and there's those relationships. Um, you know, I, I, I keep bringing up your, your host, Robert O'Keen, but that's another one that, you know, I mean, you know, Robert's been playing this place for 25 years and I've been here 18 of them. And, you know, I say 25, maybe it's a little more than that, somewhere in that range. And, um, those guys come through and we're always just so excited to see all of them. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's band, it's crew, it's everybody involved. And, um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of those bands that are like that. So, I mean, the relationships are what really make it, you know, make it more than just a job. I think at the end of the day.
0: In the near future, what are you most excited about for
1: floors? Ooh, you know, I think that, we've constantly tried to, as we talked about kind of earlier, we've constantly, every year we get to the end of the year and we try to figure out things we can do to make floors better, um, better for the bands, better for the, the, the fans. And, and it's always like a, uh, it's a tough line to walk again because we're, we are limited in space. We're limited in, um, what we're willing to do to this place. Um, because we don't want to change it too much. Um, I think what I look forward to is just the the. I have a group of people that I work with here, uh, all my managers, um, Aaron Priest, Vicky Ledesma, Joel Chef, Daniel Rosen, that are always trying to improve the place, and they're always excited about it. And um, I think that that continuous uh, attempt, you know, to to make it a better a better venue all the time even though it's been here 70 some odd years and there's only so much you can do but we never we never quit talking about it hey what if we did this what if we moved this here like it's just constant and I think that's um I think I just look forward to to always trying to improve it again as long as um you know we're the 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 um the people moving it through this period of time you know
0: Well, that's a good place to end, I think. Mark, I really can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's just been lovely speaking with you.
1: Absolutely. I'm honored and appreciate you thinking of me, Clara.